I'm standing up here sharing your word with people that mean a whole lot to me, Lord. I would ask that you open my heart and let the proper words come out. Open their heart so that they can feel what I feel. Father, we love you. We are one family. We know that Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is within us. And we thank you so much. Be with us as we continue on in our worship services, Father. And we love you immeasurably. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I'm going to start out with a recap of chapters 1 and 2. Um, it's a prophecy received from the Lord by the prophet Habakkuk. It is both a conversation with the Lord and a vision of how God was going to handle Israel's sinful ways. First, Habakkuk was critical of his lack of action. Uh, verse 1, he, he was just saying, why are you not here, Lord? You're letting this happen, and you're letting the violence get by, not paying any attention to it. The Lord explained he was in the process of using the Chaldeans under Nebuchadnezzar's rule to bring judgment upon the land of Judah. After being told God's plan, the prophet was concerned about the Lord using a greater evil, the armies of Nebuchadnezzar, to control a lesser evil, the armies of Jehoiakim, Eventually, Habakkuk comes to understand the Lord's processes are what they are. It's not his place to question the Lord. Chapter 2 brings forth one of the Bible's greatest truths, something we all live by. The righteous will live by faith. This verse is repeated three times in the New Testament. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38. And this verse was truly the heart of the prophet's conversation with the Lord. And it is the heart of our lives. You know, um, that is what we are told to do, is live by faith. Okay, I'm going to start out by reading just the first couple of uh, verses here as soon as I get a drink of water. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Siginoith. Lord, I have heard, your, heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. 
In wrath, remember mercy. Hmm. That wasn't what I expected. Okay, those are the first two verses. The prophet begins the third chapter with a prayer that acknowledges the sovereignty of our Lord. Habakkuk asks the Lord to continue with his recent accomplishments and says he is in awe of the Lord, who, other than God, is capable of such wonders. Please continue with your deeds, Lord, but in the application of your wrath, please remember mercy. Now, he started getting concerned about the Lord talking about the Chaldeans coming down and taking care of the land of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar was not a nice man. His armies were, they were bad. So this is uh, verse 3, and I'm going to go from verse 3 to verse 10. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hands, where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, and pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kashan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory. You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the river. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Now there are a lot of things in there that it's hard for me to even picture. And as I go on through this, I have never studied prophecy much. I know that there's a lot of things that they talk about in prophecy that are hard to believe. And I, I pray that I've got a, a good account of what is being wrote in here. So that was from verses 3 through 10. From here, his vision takes Habakkuk on a journey, truly of biblical proportions. He sees the glory of God illuminating the heavens and the earth. Awakened by a sunrise consisting of the power and praises of our Lord. Brothers and sisters, I have never experienced such a scene, but I will. And so will you. Next, the prophet witnesses Egypt being inundated with plague and pestilence. Habakkuk saw the Lord overcome calamity on earth 
by merely standing and looking. He caused nations to tremble and mountains to crumble. Habakkuk asked the Lord if he was angry at the rivers and the sea. I have to wonder what landscapes the Lord had Habakkuk view. What did he give the prophet to experience? We know that in chapters 1 and true, 1 and 2, he was asking why and how. He, was, he asked mainly questions and then waited for the Lord's answer in 1 and 2. But now at this point, Habakkuk is looking at the Lord's work in reverence understanding of what works he is preparing to bring upon those deserving of his judgment. Twice we have heard of God's powerful right hand and how judgment is dispensed in proportion to the evil, the pain and the violence which were undeservedly put upon other nations. Habakkuk was allowed to witness the Lord cause mountains to tremble, rivers to cease flowing, and the sea to part. Then in the same verse, he speaks of the Lord riding his horses and his chariots to victory. I have a picture in my mind, my own vision, of what the prophet Habakkuk is describing here. I am unaware of this scene being recorded anywhere other than what you and I read. It is not mine to interpret the word of the Lord, but God's prophet speaks of the power of our God splitting the earth with rivers, the mountains writhing at the sight of their creator. Lord God, you are stupendous. Okay, we're going to go and read verses 11 through 16 now. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though they were about to devour the wretched who were in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. There's a lot there. And like I say, I pray to God that I, I understand what he was bringing out here. In verse 11, when the sun and moon stood still, 
that definitely speaks of Joshua chapter 10 verses 12 and 14 or 12 through 14 and I'm going to go there and read that to you on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel son stand still over Gibeon and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the day and delayed going down about a full day. There was never a time, or excuse me, there was never been a day like it before or since a day when the Lord listened to a human being surely the Lord was fighting for Israel so Joshua is able to talk to the Lord please do this and he did God's word tells of many battles that the Lord led his people through. So many kings and their armies. Who could overpower the Lord? He did indeed stride through the enemies of his people. So long as, the, as Israel remained loyal and true to the Lord, he led them to victory. And we've also read about what happens when they went astray. And they didn't have such good luck. As we read of all that the Lord's people went through before and after the time of Habakkuk, all of that history was pointing forward to the days our Lord would walk on the face of the earth. Now it is my belief that in this third chapter of the prophet's prayer there are references to the time when the Lord will face the ultimate evil of all time but who can battle the Son of God and not succumb to his will indeed who can stand against the will of God in verse 16 when the prophet speaks of his heart pounding legs trembling what other reaction would be felt by anyone with witnessing the power and glory of the ultimate judgment being imposed upon any who will stand against him? It really will be a time of calamity in the final days of the earth as we know it. Our faithful Lord has told us that we will not have to witness it. We will be with him. Let's finish the, reading the last few verses. They speak to me in terms I can better understand. So start on verse 17. 
Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, that there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And this is, uh, Habakkuk says, this is for the director of music on my stringed instruments. I'm not sure what all that amounts to, but it's there. Habakkuk begins in verse 17 there. He starts talking about apocalyptic times when they have no food, no figs, no grapes, no olives. Those were the staples of the day. Then he continues with empty cattle and sheep pens. Habakkuk may go hungry, but he will not lose the joy he has in the Lord. How would the modern world make out in the same circumstance? I think I can safely say that far too much of the world would not keep stock in their faith in the Lord. Many of our brothers and sisters across the ocean are in a constant state of low food stocks, and yet their Bible studies and faith in God take high priority in their daily lives. I am sorry to say that the people of the United States might not be so devoted. We live in a society that is on an on-demand lifestyle. The cost of living in such opulence is very high. Most of our neighbors worry more about the cost of gas and food than their relationship with God and their eternity. Verse 18 is a statement of faith and joy in our Lord made by a man over 2,500 years ago. He makes a confession of joy in God, his Savior, the same sovereign God we call to for our strength. I don't know if he understood his salvation in the manner we do. We do know that the Holy Spirit was not sent until Pentecost, but Habakkuk's words in verse 18 in the New King James Version of the Bible tells me a great deal about his faith. And this is verse 18 in New King James. Yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. To me, that tells me that Habakkuk was aware of his eternity. Verse 19 in NIV reads, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on heights. Our Lord enables us 
to do much more than what we envision of ourselves. He will always be with us. And yes, we are going to stumble. But he will be right beside us. We can reach out to him and he will help us to our feet. It will not always be fun to brush ourselves off after a fall. But he will always care about our well-being. Habakkuk has shown us another of the Lord's qualities. He will listen to us for as long as we need to carry on with our problems. He will seldom answer us in the way a human would. He just lets us mull the issue over. Then he will give us an answer in a way we don't expect and in his time, which is always the right time. And if you get a no answer from him, at some point in your life, you're going to thank him for that no answer. Our God cares for each of us more than we understand. When we have questions concerning his actions, the first thing we should do is study his word concerning the issue. Notice I said study, not just read. Then go to prayer. It is how we are to communicate with him. It is the way Jesus told us to talk to the Father. Pray continually. Listen for him intently. Keep your eyes open. He may answer in a physical manner. But again, be patient. Wait for him and be diligent in your listening. I'd like to close with the first seven verses of Psalm 105. They, they struck me and uh, they have a, a strong meaning for me. Psalm 105. Verse 1, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God, and his judgments are in all the earth. And that's the end of what I have here. And it, it came to me very well. I'd never studied 
prophecy before and you come to some of those verses brothers and sisters and it's I want to try to describe how I feel about it but I don't want to misinterpret the holy word it's just absolutely not the thing to do and Father, I thank you for giving me the will to really dig into your word and come out with what I have. It's special, Lord, to do these studies and you can feel the spirit working in you. And I thank you for all these people that sat here and absorbed the, the words that you put in my mouth. And I thank you in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>